Welcome to Best Sellers. I'm Maddie. And I'm Tyler. And it's a bittersweet day today. Do you want to tell them why? Because it's our last podcast recorded in the pod closet. Big things happening on this end. I'm moving out of my apartment, uh, which is tragic only in that we're going to have to relocate and find a new pod closet, pod closet, to <laughs> be drunk in. And I don't have a closet. So, well, I mean, I do have a closet, but it wouldn't fit a person. <laughs> so stay tuned. We'll post a little farewell tour of the, the pod closet for you. But we're moving on to bigger and better things. Exactly. This only means we're going to upgrade to a bigger closet. Like the library. Oh, like could could be the library studios. I think they'll let us drink wine. No, but we could probably sneak Show it in. Up drunk? Oh, or is it, <laughs> yeah, or that, or that. We go to a winery before and have two glasses, and then we come. Ooh, any are there any wineries in K Town? Hmm. Mm. They we'll definitely have like sake. Probably. That's not your fave, though. No, it's not. Yeah, we'll figure it out. <sighs> Maybe you'll move back to K Town. <laughs> oh, what a twist that would be. <laughs> My first homeland in back L.A. To your roots. I really haven't been to K-Town much since you moved away. You're not missing a lot. That's You're so missing some good park. rooftop pools, but that's about it. That's true. And some really fabulous cockroaches. Um, but you can find those elsewhere. And the spas. And the spas. Which you haven't been to. I haven't been to the spas. I want to go to we'll the spas. We'll go someday. Um, I, I tried to reformat my question to make it less painful. <laughs> okay. So... Um, in case you're new here, again, welcome to Best Sellers, podcast where we read best-selling books and get drunk. Mm-hmm. And Tyler, what was your best-selling moment of the week? Oh, that is an interesting reformat. Thank you. Best-selling moment of the week. Um, I think it would have to be, which Maddie knows this, but I'm going on a Euro trip uh, and I booked some of my flights. Um... So that does that count? That did does. That, did that answer the question? Yeah. So uh, that's my best-selling moment. What was yours? The first thing that comes to mind is so boring. But yesterday, I I had COVID for the first time, um, so I've been kind of just a lump for a while. But yesterday, I finally did the big wash, which is um, slathering my dog in coconut oil because he has bad skin and then letting that marinate for a while and then giving him a bath and then cleaning my shower and bathroom and then giving myself a shower and washing my hair um and i got that done yesterday so i feel good about that there's something about using the word marinate when talking about (laughs) lathering your dog with coconut oil that makes me uncomfortable Mm -hmm. sorry Is this the way it is? <laughs> He's a meaty little boy. <laughs> uh, well, do we want to tell the viewers what book we read? Um, yeah, I don't know if we have many viewers, though. Because they don't view things with their eyes. They listen. <laughs> okay, do we want to tell them? Yes, okay. This week, we read Choosing to Run by Des Linden. It's about a lady who runs. And the wine that we're having is from super real wines we bought it at air one <laughs> first timers here it, we i i spent 40 dollars to get that little <laughs> stupid sushi sandwich and smoothie in total maddie spent 50 dollars in that little shopping plaza because then she bought a 10 dollar like sunscreen stick. yeah stick it was a gift we shouldn't be allowed in there and i don't think we'll go back also for, okay. for anyone who saw that 
crispy rice sushi sandwich from Erewhon on TikTok that's $20 and thought I should try that. Um, just go to Sushi House on Ventura Boulevard and get the crispy rice spicy tuna for $11 and it's better. Or make your own if you have an air fryer. Yeah. There are those instructions on TikTok as well. I'm anti-Erewhon. The... We the also are too small. To be fair, we also didn't lean into the Air One experience because we walked in in basically sweatpants and like pajamas, <laughs> um, and so we we weren't embracing the vibe of Air One. Yeah, it did not look cute. No, um, so I think that dulled it down a little bit. But we did buy something. Mm-hmm. The wine. I'm realizing I actually don't think it has a name. It just says unfiltered natural skin contact wine, and there's a picture of like a. Drunk Rainbow yeah. on it, um, which we chose because because a big part <laughs> of this book is Des Linden uh, winning the Boston Marathon in like a torrential downpour. So we thought Rain Rainbow, mm-hmm. and which, also, you know we should have done Bourbon. She's like obsessed with. Oh, bourbon. you're right. Oops, that's a bummer. <laughs> well, that's a missed opportunity. We'll do that later. Uh, so basically, brief summary of this book. Um, I mean, there's not a whole lot to it. I mean, there. Sorry, it's a memoir of a Boston Marathon <laughs> it's winner. Bad. It is big deal to win the Boston Marathon. She was the first American woman to win in 33 years. Was she the first American in general, or just the first American woman? I think a first first American to win the women's okay. race in 33 years. Okay. Um, and she just talks about kind of like the culture of distance running you know, for a job and uh, what inspires her to keep running through it all. That was actually, I can dive into my initial thoughts because one of the very first things that came to mind when I was listening to this book, which is another twist, I actually Mm -hmm. did the audiobook this week because I was doing a lot of driving and moving. Welcome to the club. Hello. I don't know if I'm going to go back to audiobooks because I cannot focus. Don't let this one, (laughs) don't let this one. First of all, I mean... Much love to you, Deslin. Did good for you for trying out something new and reading your own book. But there are people out there who do this for a living. <laughs> it sounded like so. Des Des was the narrator for her own book, uh, and she made a valiant attempt. But the way that it ends up coming out when you listen to it is she kind of sounds like she's having drinks with some friends and she's telling a really long-winded story. <laughs> like, and that's that was the experience of listening to this. Um, yeah. But uh, where I was going with that... I definitely recommend listening on at least 1.5 speed. (laughs) Yes. Um, But where I was going with that is one of the things that really surprised me in listening to her story is that I guess I didn't fully understand how one can get paid to be an athlete. Like, where, like, being just... Being a runner can be a career, can be a job that you get paid for, and all of the various ways that you can make money off of that. Yeah. I didn't know any of that. I think we did. I like wasn't fully aware of like the ins and outs of that either because I think what we're most familiar with as like non-sporty people, yes, is like te- you know like professional baseball or football. You're on a team. We know how that works. You get paid a jillion million dollars a year. Yeah. Um, but then if you're like, also it's so complicated with different sports have different things. But for many sports, if you're an Olympian, you can't be a professional and also an Olympian 
like I think that's true for figure skating like okay. you can't like have a job as a skater on like ice skipades or whatever and then be also a an Olympian like you have to be an amateur why so you can't actually get paid for what you do you have to have sponsorships oh get paid okay to gotta, that. Gotta. Anyway, so I think running is a little different. Because well, she, I was going to say, because she gets she gets to go to the Olympics, or she at yes. least trains for the Olympics yeah. in well, this book. Contentious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But yeah, so the way it works if you're a long-distance runner, yeah, it was really interesting to learn about. So basically, you have to kind of get recruited by, like, a running club, and usually they're sponsored by, like, a shoe brand. So, like, hers was Brooks, the Brook, Hanson Brooks Distance Project in Michigan, and so these guys, the Hansons, are like, come run with us. And then you, you know, run with them. And then, get, like, they get you into, like, tournaments. And you have an agent and stuff. And But you're kind of beholden to, like, what they want to do as a club. Yeah. Which I didn't know. I didn't even know those things existed. Like, it sort of felt like being in, like, a college frat or something. Where, like, yeah. you kind of have all these, like, traditions that you have to do. Or these rules that you have to follow. Like... And these, uh, you're, they're kind of your bosses, but like, don't they also live near the compound? Like, yeah, they all did. She, yeah, she was talking about how like, and she was one of the few women there and they like all live in this house and there's, yeah. So like that all felt very strange to me because it just, it felt like living on a commune, but then you also are all running. It's, It's almost like a cult. I don't know. I mean, the whole thing is like, I think it's very easy to be in a cult like situation in the, sports world which like you know that when you get into the like nike oregon stuff it gets more into the cult territory but like we'll talk about that but in general it is crazy as someone who hates <laughs> running and is not very athletic just like it's such a foreign mindset to me like immediately when it started out and she's she starts out like she's passing someone at mile 22 in the Boston Marathon that she ultimately wins, in the pouring rain, she's, like, dying. And I'm like, I can't relate to this. No! So, (laughs) most of this book, for me, which... (laughs) Most of this book, it felt like every chapter, she was like, this was a moment where I should have quit, and I didn't. And in my brain, I'm like, you should have. That sounds awful. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of felt like... The book is, like, why she's choosing to run. And I'm kind of like, I I think it's just something... You know, it's like the free solo guy. There's, like, something wrong with his brain that makes him want to climb cliffs. <laughs> so you think that she has an issue with her brain? I think all <laughs> professional athletes have. I mean, you have to be able to, like... If any kind of professional athlete has to be able to, like, turn off a part of their brain and turn off, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, because if you're thinking about it, then yeah. you'll fuck up. Yeah. But then you also need to... I didn't realize how much strategy was involved in running yes that was another thing i noticed so she talks a lot in a couple of different chapters she talks about uh having to the different strategies that she uses to win these races like you know if it's a really long race she'll sometimes position herself in the middle of the pack for the first half of the race so that the people in the front get sort of the brunt of the sorry blunt blunt get the blunt Blunt. of the weather Brunt. brunt Brunt. Brunt. They get the brunt of the weather hitting the front of the line. And so, like, she avoids some of the maybe cold winds. And, yeah, like, it's she's like able fucking, to last like, you know, race cars with the drag and whatnot. Yeah. Like, but you don't think that. There's, like, a science yeah. to it. She, like, memorizes the courses. Like, it's just all this thought that I wouldn't have put into it as someone who doesn't do activity. Yeah, and it just sounds so, God, terrible. <laughs> but I guess, like, 
it lights up a part of your brain. I guess that's why, you know, like, you know, performing or whatever. It makes me feel good. Maybe. I mean, they also, I just, what blows my mind is like the mental oh acuity of it all. That could be the wrong word. But like the ability to have to, how long is the Boston Marathon? 23 miles? 20? Uh, all marathons are 26.2. But I know this because my dad runs Oh yeah, marathon, or he has run marathon. It, like, I don't know how the has fuck he, he does it. Has he done the Boston no, no, he's okay. that's for like you have to be like a professional to do level the runner to do the Boston. He's done a bunch, but <laughs> but I mean he just runs for fun, for joy, and he chooses um, to run. He chooses to run. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it as someone who's like tried running a few times in my life. I've done like five Ks. Um, I don't like it. <laughs> well, and that's sort of not only do I I not like it because of the physical aspect. Like I just don't find joy from running, but I just. Right. For me, I don't understand how people can run for 26 miles, right. which is like a number, like three hours, four hours, yeah. and then many hours, and just be in their head. Like some right. people like won't even have headphones. Like they just, oh God, yeah. like, I can't stand to be with myself for that long. I guess I like, when I start running, I'm like, when is it over? It's just so monotonous to me. But so I, I'm so impressed by people who can learn, by my dad who was like, his brain works differently than mine and that he's just able to be like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to keep doing it every day. And I'm going to run for a jillion miles in the middle yeah. of nowhere. <laughs> you have to be committed for sure. Oh and my it's God. just not me. And I also, when I was reading this, the other thing that uh, also kind of hurt my brain was in a lot of these chapters, she starts discussing like the numbers, like uh, how fast she runs and what her times are. And I just wrote down in my notes, so many numbers. What do they mean? Oh my God. She <laughs> runs. She's like, was running an under five minute mile, I think, when she was like in college or whatever. And then she, I, I wrote down her like, at once she was like, I'm done with my marathon career. She started doing like ultra marathons, which I think are even <laughs> more insane. God. It's so long. How long is an ultra marathon? Is that like, I think it's like 50 K. So she set the record for 50 K. Mm. I think I wrote it up here. Yeah. Two hours, 59 minutes, 54 seconds, which is like faster than most people can run a marathon. Well, and also, isn't that only like a few seconds short of the previous record? Like she beat it by like seven yeah, seconds or six seconds crazy or something like that. I, okay, I'm going to launch into a discussion question I have, which yeah. is, how is it physically possible that people can just keep getting faster and faster? That doesn't <laughs> seem right to me. That seems like, that seems like capitalist logic to me. Mm-hmm. Like, you, things cannot just keep getting better and better and better and better. Like, the economy cannot just keep getting better and better. Right, it has and, to plateau at yes, some point. And humans cannot just keep getting faster and faster and faster and faster. At some point... Like, isn't it just enough to win the race that year? Well, okay, here's an argument, though. Because every year medicine gets better, and we as humans, our lives last longer because of this medicine. Uh, And so maybe because of all of these new advancements, our bodies are physically stronger and more capable. But it's like, at what point is it enough? Because at some point, like, all these advances in medicine, kind of the line gets blurred, which is a a big part of this Mm. book. Between, like, performance-enhancing... Yeah, that's true. ...cheating and, like, optimizing the body. And I think it's confusing for the athletes, too, because you're so immersed in this world. And if someone's telling you you need to do this, like, treatment or, like, drug or whatever, you're going to believe them. Yeah. Well, and she even... That's a good point that you bring up. So she, at one point in the book, 
uh, talks about uh, later on in her career as all of these other athletes start doing steroids and doping and how that affects you know the their influence on some of these races and how she's frustrated by it but then she also it might have been the same chapter or a different chapter but she talks about this moment in her life where she is diagnosed with is it hypothyroidism hypothyroidism um and they encourage her to take this like particular drug and at first she's resistant because she's like that would be a performance enhancing mm-hmm. like that would like you know people could talk about it i don't i don't want that message being sent and she resists it for a really long time until finally somebody's like, you will, you will die if you don't take this. And she's like, okay, fine. What did you think? I have such conflicted feelings about that. Cause I'm like, she is very anti like anyone else. Who's like any whiff of performance enhancing. And she's very anti the Nike Oregon project, which was, you know, busted for doping. Can you talk about that a little bit? Cause I think that's part of the uh, book that I zoned out, zoned out on. <laughs> yeah. I, when I was on the highway parts <laughs> that I zoned out on where it was like running stuff. And I was like, mm-hmm. more numbers. <laughs> but so the Nike Oregon project is a different like running club. I don't know if that's what you would call it, but um, sponsored by Nike and that was interesting to me because I'm from Oregon. I went to University of Oregon, which is basically like Nike University. So oh, Phil really? Knight, the you know like founder of Nike, his name is on everything. His name like it's the Knight Arena, the Knight Law oh, School, wow. like the Knight Library. Um, you know he he donated a shit ton of money to build this whole football complex. And it's kind of like a contentious thing because it's like all this money goes to athletics that maybe doesn't go to like academics. Right. Um, there's also like an athlete's like, you know, st- study building or whatever. And one time I tried to go in there because they had a Christmas tree and it looked nice and it was raining and there was a cafe in there and I wanted to buy a little treat. And they said I couldn't go in there because I was not an athlete. <laughs> they no. just took one look at you and yeah. they were like, you don't belong yeah. here. <laughs> Meanwhile, the theater building is being torn down and they're making them share a building with someone else and they're giving them a smaller theater. Um, but, you know, people don't go to Oregon for that, I guess. But anyway, and Phil Knight is like best friends with Alberto Salazar, who is the... This wasn't really in the book. Of okay, I, was, I really missed a lot. Coincidentally, <laughs> right after we read this, I was listening to um, a podcast, uh, the Trust Me podcast, um, about cults and extreme belief, and Kara Goucher, who also wrote a memoir um, about her running career, was on the Nike Oregon team and talking okay. about how it was a cult-like atmosphere. Oh, interesting. And sorry I'm going on this stage. <laughs> no, this is... I asked. It's so interesting to me. Um, Alberto Salazar is like a famous runner and he was kind of the charismatic leader of the Nike Oregon project, best friends with Phil Knight. And Kara Goucher described how he like, I mean, he did some really bad shit. He was also like molesting people and assaulting (laughs) them, but, um, you know, people would do whatever he wanted. And so she was talking about how she has a history of hypothyroidism in her family and her and her husband were diagnosed with hypothyroidism. But then suddenly everyone on the team had hypothyroidism. Interesting. And conspiracy. It's like, she talks about it, how like, if you're just getting base level, like hormone therapy for hypothyroidism, it's not going to like enhance your performance, but there are like extra drugs related to it that will. And so people were on these extra drugs that probably didn't need it, but it's such a, I like have complicated feelings about 
how like high and mighty Deslin didn't feel against all other runners. And she ends up having hypothyroidism and it's like, and you shut on all these other people. Like you don't necessarily know which people have it and which don't like, it's so complicated. And that's why I'm like, if we weren't so obsessed with like optimizing right. the human body and it was just like, let's race around. Well, it's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like the mentality of like when you're in elementary school or middle school or high school or really any school where you perform, like you're in like a club volleyball or something mm-hmm. like you shouldn't really be playing volleyball to win. I mean, that's a nice little bonus if like you win your, your tournaments or whatever, but like a lot of these things are just for fun. Yeah. Like just, Play the game that you enjoy, and if you win, you win, and if you don't, then whatever, you had a good time. But, like, I feel like that mentality has gone away. Um, She did have a coach who said, as long as you're enjoying yourself, you'll go far in the sport. And I don't know if that's true. Do you (laughs) think so? (laughs) Uh, I think it, okay, I would say yes, only for this reason. Um, I mean, like she mentioned... And what this whole book is about is like you, you choose to run, you choose to continue to pursue this sport, even though it's hard, even though it can destroy your body, but you do it because you love it. God, she um, had like a broken hip that she was running. She on. has so many. Okay. So that's one of my discussion questions, which we can get to. Um, but just to finish my thought, like mm-hmm. the people, I feel like that quote only, I understand that quote because the people that will go far are sometimes the people that just do it for a really long time mm-hmm. and they like outlast everybody else. And those people are usually the people that love it. That's a good point. Like it took her a lot of, you know, she went to the London Olympics, she went to the Rio Olympics and she did the Boston Marathon a number of times. And it wasn't like the youngest, like fittest person wins. It was like the person with the experience and the like, yeah. she had this like, that was an interesting part of the book for me when she's talking about like, she has this experience running in like terrible Michigan weather and like enduring those like awful runs. And that's kind of what helped her win the Boston marathon. Um, Cause the year she did it, it was like pouring rain. Mm -hmm. It was freezing. And the other, the other thing is she had done that run before. And so not only was she like aware of how to run in that kind of weather, but she was aware of how to run in that kind of weather on that particular course Mm -hmm. and like where she was going to need to surge ahead and where she needed to pull back. Mm -hmm. Like, and so all of that played into her win there. It's so crazy, but we can go to my discussion question, uh, just because it's relevant to that, but let me pull it up. Cause my, I'm so sweaty. I got to tell you, I mean, we might as well give you the pod closet experience while we're still in it. I am dripping. We also, there's a slight change to the pod closet today because because I'm in the middle of moving and I packed uh, a bunch of my stuff. I also, by accident, packed the power pack that we use to light the closet. And so now we're using the lights from our iPhones, mm-hmm. which I don't enjoy because like I can... I feel like see you much more easily, which is not a bad thing, <laughs> but like, I feel like we're very bright. We're more exposed. It's like, <laughs> like I can see the yeah. yeah. Like I can see the glisten. Ooh. Um, anyways. So my discussion question that was related to what we were just talking about, um, is what, okay. In the book. It's so fun. Uh, sorry. Just all these, <laughs> all the reactions to like athleticism as two like non-athletic people are so funny <laughs> like, like i could not relate to this book in any way shape or form and i like really tried i tried to like get to the deeper message be like do what you love but like 
it's hard. Um, And this is the perfect example of that because I was reading this book and I'm sort of taking mental notes of all of the hardships that she goes through because pretty much every chapter was, again, her being like, here was a really hard thing I was, I encountered and I pushed through it and I went on to the next hard thing. And so I'm reading through all these things and I was like, at what point in Des's journey would I have given up? So I'm just going to give you a couple of examples and you can tell me where you would have quit. I can tell you right now where I would have quit. I, I think it might be the same as mine, but okay. let, me, let me just list them. These are not in order, by the way. So it, it, I think this in the beginning of the book, she talks about uh, one of the very first ailments that she gets is this thing called plantar fasciitis, Ugh, yeah. uh, which is where I don't know exactly how it happens, but uh, basically when you put your foot on the ground, it feels like you're walking on glass. Um, I've had like mild, mild form of that. And it's sucks well i was like is that an accurate description is that what it feels like listen i've never tried to run on it i just like wear like my foot would hurt and i would wear like an ankle brace for my regular walking around the house and then i had to wear i have to wear like cushiony shoes in the house How long did this last? Hurt. i'm just a week <laughs> I'm just falling apart. Yeah. Anyway, what, was this recent? Was this older? How long? How I mean, it sometimes it'll like come up again, but like the last time I was dealing with that was probably like a year or two ago. Oh. <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> how old are you? Hundred. Um, I'm only thirty, and I don't run. I have no reason to be falling apart. <sighs> Um, well, so that, I mean, I also don't run or am active. And so that was the first time I had heard of this thing. And I was like, that sounds terrible. And I would give up at that is where I would already give up. Mm-hmm. But then she kept going. So there was that. Um, she mentioned a period of her running career called that she titled Destober, uh, where she would run the mileage of the day of the month every day. So if it was, Ooh. if it was like, April 10th, she would run 10 miles that day. And she did that for like a month. So by the end, she had run, I think, like 200 miles or something crazy. Um, Which that also sounds like a terrible hobby that I would not pick up in any month. Um, She did, like you mentioned, she did the 50K uh, in under three hours. I think that was like a trail run. Um, And then she had hypothyroidism and she was also running in all of these like winter storms. She had her hip break or something. Or no, she had like running on a broken or like fractured hip for yeah. like years. And also there was like not a way to fix it. It was just like, yeah. that's going to be, wait, am I well, confusing no. this with Jen's okay. <laughs> Your cousin? Yeah, my cousin like runs. I was like, wait a second, I think they like, did fix it. it. <laughs> no, but she was running on like some sort of fractured hip, which she, she tried to run through for like a good three months. She would like continue to do her runs. But every time. I think she was dealing with it when she won the Boston Marathon, no? No, it wasn't when she went. Oh, it was okay. like during a, like an Olympic trial or something. Oh, okay. But she would like, the way she described it is like, she could run in straight lines, but anytime she had to do any sort of turn, it would just feel like her body was breaking in half. Um, and I was like, the very first time I felt that, I would give up running forever. I would be done. Yeah. I will say, <laughs> I do have like, I have a loose patella. <laughs> So when I was like, I'm going to run a 5k in college, I was like training for this 5k and my knee would hurt. 
And I... You pushed through it. Pushed through and I oh ran that 5K and I got a knee brace and I did my little stretches. You basically... You should get army benefits. I mean, that's basically boot camp. <laughs> yeah, army benefits, definitely. <laughs> no down payments on houses. You don't have to do a down payment on a house. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's like, you know... Yeah, no, I think that's right. What the heck? I mean, yeah. that's not worth it. But. That's how my brother has like five houses that he like is in debt for somehow. <sighs> David is Vendetti. Um, you want to know what I was thinking of when you first asked that question? Yeah. When I would give up, and stop me if I've told this on the podcast before. But when I started high school, I was like, I've got to do activities. Are you okay? I'm putting on. I'm gonna put my mic down for a second. Oh, I I'm, put. That's what I, I, did. I saw you yeah. do. Like, that's it. I'm putting my hair out. It's, it's like hot. It's hot. anywhere like skin touches skin is like melting right now. Um, Keep telling your story. Okay. Okay. Starting high school, I was like, got to do activities. Got to you know get involved whatever and cross country was really popular at my high school and i was like i my friend kristen was doing it i was like i should do it too and i like almost did it and then i like chicked out at the last minute and didn't do it which thank god i would have absolutely hated it also i did <laughs> other activities like whatever um and then we were club girlies we weren't sport <laughs> we were girlies oh my god <laughs> do you want to know all the clubs that i was in list them Band. I was also class, but you know. Um, Band beats Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Band, newspaper. Um, what were you in the newspaper? What? What were you in the newspaper? Um, I was an editor. For any, like the arts section or just like in general? I mean, I was like a general whatever, and then I like did competitions and stuff, and then I like had too many activities I couldn't keep doing news stuff but they let me stay on as a columnist <laughs> for the rest of my a consultant and every once in a while I'd write a little essay that's like it's crazy growing up <laughs> being 18 is hard like I don't know why I'm so embarrassing anyways um, okay honor society honor society is kind of a joke but I uh, did that at drama club I was the president <laughs> Um, I could not stop tennis. I did that for two years. That's okay. Should have known then. Did you yeah, do softball too? I did softball up until high school, but it was the same season as tennis, mm. and I couldn't do it. Um, Interesting. And then also, I didn't. I stopped doing sports. I did dance. What kind of? Did you do hip hop? You did hip hop, right? Or tap? You did tap. I stuck with tap the longest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did yeah. that through college. Yeah, I still haven't seen you tap. We gotta I see. Never will. Well. Go- We'll include that as on the Instagram. Anyway, <laughs> this we can all cut. <laughs> what I was getting to is sophomore year, I was like, maybe this year I actually will do cross country. I don't know why I felt this need to do this. So I went with Kristen to a cross country practice. They met at this park and we show up and we instantly were like, oh, we can do this. And we hid behind a tree. In the and middle of the practice, while they did, we were they were like doing warm up stretches, and we just like watched them from behind the tree and kind of did the same stretches. And then they started off running on this path that was like a like three mile loop, and we went the opposite way, so they wouldn't know. <laughs> oh my god, uh, we were. And then I was like, yeah, that's not. It's kind of like when you join a tour group. Uh, sort of secretly because yeah. you don't want to pay for it so you kind of like linger behind and so, so no one notices <laughs> i tried to do that the at the unsinkable molly brown's house and they they found me out <laughs> they sunk your plan they sunk my <laughs> ship um, you can tell the heat and the wine to me <laughs> there's a solid layer of sweat on my face <laughs> 
<laughs> we should bring napkins in here. Oh my god, it's really bad. Okay, um, that was a tangent. So, at what point along her journey would you have given up? Oh, so before I started doing running. Okay, so before she even yeah. chose to run, um, would have never chosen choosing to run. Yeah. Were you? So she. It was interesting how she talked about her childhood. I kind of appreciated that she talked about like the complicated relationship she had with her dad who like pushed her they were required to do sports um and was that anything like you had to do no my you had you tried a lot of sports not by choice um my mom so you were required to do it of course sort of but i wasn't like pressured into doing it it was more i had a very young mom so she had me when she was 19 and so i think she was like not quite sure like how to raise a kid and like what you were supposed to do with them and so she was like kids should have hobbies you should go do some stuff and I was like I don't know what I like and she's like we're gonna try out a bunch of things and so she like made me do gymnastics she made me do skating she made me do soccer oh yeah we've seen the photos of you there are skating of me that's one of my eras um but uh I also did the lacrosse I think for like a week and I was like this is bad um <laughs> And so I tried all of those things. And then I was like, Mom, I think I like clubs. <laughs> I think yeah. I'm going to like, I'm going to go sit and read some poetry instead. You were in some like, fun okay. clubs. I was in some fun clubs. You did your club tangent, so I'm going to do mine. Yes, please. I was also on the newspaper. I was the arts editor. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I did arts editor. Features editor, I think I was for there a second. <laughs> so that's a fun one, too. I like features. Um, not movies, but like, that's like when you like make a profile of someone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was an arts editor, and then I was the editor-in-chief of the Lit Mag, the literature magazine Ooh. called Folio. Um, this is in college? This is in high school. Hell yeah. Mine mm-hmm. were in high school, too. We really... I was thinking about that today in yoga. I think I might have peaked in high school. <laughs> Oops. No, no. No. I disagree. You're about to join a gay band. I might. I might. <laughs> You're going on the up and out. Um, yeah, and that was kind of... I think I had, like, one or two more... I tried DJ Club for a oh, week, hell yeah. um, and it was very strange, and I quit. But yeah, we're activities funny. girls, though. Like yeah. we were, we were like straight edge activities girls. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. remember one time going to like a game night at a friend's house that was a game night, and one of my parents' friends were like, "Game night? Yeah, right. Like a bunch of teens <laughs> getting together," and I was like, "No." We are getting together to play board games. We're having a great time. Never was once offered a drug. <laughs> they want some. Yeah. Wine. I also, this is the worst club I was in. I was in a club that was called Music Club, um, which that's super vague and could be literally anything. So I showed up and the whole club, this is in high school, the entire club was every day you spend an hour in this room just hanging with people and they choose one person to take their iPod oh and God. put it over the speakers and put it on shuffle. Nightmare! And you have to let three songs play and that's the whole club. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. Fucking, that's truly a nightmare of mine. Yeah. I truly, I did it once and it was like Hannah Montana, Stacy's mom. Oh, great. And then I think it was Bowling for Soup. It was 1985. Three bangers. I was like, oh, made that, made it out alive. I was always, every time I'd be listening to my iPod, I'd be like, what if someone took it right now and was like, or or like, what if I died and the screen froze on what I was listening to? What was I think? And there was one time in a class in high school when a, a kid... I kind of had a crush on, like, took my iPod 
and was like, mm, what's on here? And like went through it. And I was like, please see all the cool stuff. Please don't see my, my birdie soundtrack. <laughs> the Wicked Musical. <laughs> Spring Awakening. <laughs> Oh, that's such a nightmare. God, that that's truly the worst club. It was the worst club. I did not stay there very long. Um, oh, that's something I... Does. I did find it a little bit annoying the way you talked about music. Like, you're the only person to ever like indie rock. <laughs> She's like, we went to see this crazy band called MGMT. <laughs> Although I did so... Okay, in my research for the book, when I was like trying to look up like discussion questions and like just facts about it, one of the... Um, uh, reviewers was talking about the book and they were like, I find it really interesting that Des is one of the few runners that like chose to have a life outside of running. Like, did she? Well, okay. So this is what was super interesting to dog. me. Cause they were like, Oh, she like she likes bourbon and she likes music. And I was super, I was like, how do you drink bourbon and run? And then like run like a crazy person. And there's something like some other weird thing that she was into, but I was like, is that, that feels like the bare minimum. <laughs> like, yeah. you have an interest and a hobby. <laughs> and exactly. that is a life outside of running. I mean, like, how much of a life can you have if you're fucking running all the time? Well, and I, so that just made me think a lot about the running community. And, like, I guess it, it put into perspective maybe how intense you have to be and truly how much you have to mm-hmm. love this thing, you know? I also thought it was interesting that, like... Um, there's a long period before she realizes that she has hypothyroidism when she's definitely just really depressed. And she kind of writes that all off as symptoms of hypothyroidism. But I mm-hmm. thought it was interesting. She didn't really talk about yeah. mental health. And she kind of touched on like disordered eating in like the athlete community. And I was kind of like interested in, in where that was going to go. And then it was kind of dropped. Well, what's so she covered that. So she starts talking at one point in the book about the hypothyroidism mm-hmm. um, and all, everything she's saying is she's like, like, I really struggled to find purpose. I like, mm-hmm. I struggled to like, you know, keep doing this thing. And I thought that that's where she was leading mm-hmm. that she was going to talk about how she realized she's depressed and she had to tackle it. And then she never did. And so yeah. part of me is like, did she ever recognize that in herself or is she just trying to, uh, ascribe the whole thing to the hypothyroidism. Yeah, it's. I feel like there's probably so many athletes who experience depression, and it's probably it's like it doesn't seem like that's a part of like you know you have all of this like physical care and like optimization again, but like not a lot of mental health yeah. resources. I don't know. It or seems, like yeah, or like some people use running and being physical to distract themselves Mm -hmm. from maybe some of those issues. Like I know plenty of people, I know this is a totally different maybe example, like it's on a different plane, but like I know a lot of like my mom's friends or like Mm -hmm. other like family friends in my life that when they get like really stressed or when they get really depressed, they like turn into gym rats and they go and they just Mm -hmm. like work out five hours a day at the gym, which is a good healthy outlet in a lot of ways. But in this case, I'm like, I feel like this is the extreme version of yeah, that. Like, like, are sometimes there sometimes it's like yeah. the only way you can get any kind of endorphin? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, are there runners out there, or other athletes that are doing this I'm sure because they're depressed or because they have these issues and they're just not addressing it? I mean, I bet there's a, another like trigger warning for like brief discussion of disordered eating, but mm-hmm. I bet there are a lot of athletes who deal with like orthorexia and like what um, is that? It's like when you are kind of fixated on everything you eat and, like, eating perfectly healthy. Yeah. Um, And so you're not necessarily, like, it's not anorexia, but it's, like, 
very specific. You're, yeah. You're, yeah. And I think, oh God, disordered eating is something we all kind of deal with. Many of us deal with, but it's not talked about really in the athlete community, I don't think. So I was, I was interested in that, but that was, overall I felt like, and I think this is an interesting kind of discussion question. Okay. The rest of her life was really like in the background. Like I was kind of mm-hmm. waiting for like more stuff about like, her husband, not that I wanted, like, her narrative to be about her husband, but, like, the other things that yeah. brought fulfillment to her Like, her friends, like, yeah. Um, but it, at the same time, it is a memoir about running. So, like, a memoir shouldn't have to be about the whole life. But, um, I don't know. What did you think? What did you, how did you think the balance was? Well, and so... I'm going to piggyback off of that question with another question. And then we can just put them both on the table, Mm -hmm. which was, are you able to read this book and enjoy it if you are not an athlete? Because this Mm -hmm. book was very focused on the intricacies of running and all the different types of running and all the different types of um, contests you can do and how you can Mm -hmm. win money from them. And as as a (laughs) non-runner... I, there weren't a lot of parts of the book that I felt really connected to. Like, and I wanted to be, it's just, it's just a world I just didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I felt like to kind of answer your question, I feel like the balance was definitely tilted in that direction for me. And I wanted more mm-hmm. of the personal stuff or I wanted yeah. more of the, like, what is the, what is the lesson underneath, mm-hmm. underneath this? Like, and she sometimes touched on it. Mm-hmm. She would be like, you know, like, here was a hardship and I overcame it through pure willpower or whatever. <laughs> but like, I wanted more of those lessons that I as a non-athlete could also relate to. Right. I, I agree with that. I like, there were parts that were specifically about, you know, this very particular world that like, it was interesting to me. I didn't know how it worked before. There were parts that made me tune out like in the epilogue. I was like fully <laughs> out in space. <laughs> Um, but that's when she's talking about like ultra marathons and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then like there were points where she had really relatable stuff. Like, um, I, I made a note when she's talking about like playing sports, but like not having the right sports clothes. And, and I, that like felt specifically memorable to me. Cause I remember like, you know, being like feeling pressure to like dress a certain way. Like other kids had like really nice Nike stuff. And I was, yeah. like, finding stuff at the Nike outlet that was, like, still <laughs> too expensive, you know, and, like, getting kind of, like, the random Costco Nike shirt that, like, wasn't quite right. And I was very self-conscious at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, moments like that, I was like, ah, an in for me. Oh, my God. I'm literally <laughs> wet. Don't look at me. <laughs> Don't look at me. <laughs> oh, my God. Ew. Ew, 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 ew. This is the worst it's ever been. And this I said, why? It's, it's not, not that hot. hot. It's not that hot out. <laughs> You're wearing the socks, though. Take those off. Okay. Um, most of your body heat comes through your head and your feet. Oh. That's why, like, when you're extra cold, you wear hats. Oh, my God. It's, like, <laughs> it's really gross. I'm so glad no one can see this. But anyway, what I'm I saying can see is... This. I can see it. <sighs> okay. Should we just open the door? Is it going to be... No, hard? we can't. <laughs> we can't. It's part of the process. <laughs> um... <laughs> Okay. Well, okay. This is not like really a new question, but this is just, I want to put like a final point on this thought, Um, which is one thing, again, in in reading the book and learning that running and being an athlete can be a career. It sort of reminded me of um, kind of how celebrities like, you know, like people like Reese Witherspoon, who are actresses, but then they also 
go off and they start additional businesses because I think part of them knows that at some point in their life, they might not be able to act anymore and that source of income is gone. And so they have to learn over the course of their life how to pivot and how to have these other income streams. Like that's, she talks about that sort of at one point in the book where she's like, yeah, like, you know, like I started doing these like, like mini, mini competition runs. Like she would do like 5Ks and win like Mm -hmm. little bits of money or she would do like. Which, can you imagine entering a 5K and then like this (laughs) <laughs> like ultra marathoner yeah, yeah, is running yeah. against you and you're like oh and there's these like families from Maine they're like I just wanted to do something on a Sunday like I assume she's in a different probably category but I'm like that's not fair 5k's are for no, babies truly it's like entering like like a photography competition with like some famous artist or something yeah Annie Leibovitz is entering your newspaper's photography competition I'm so glad you knew a name I chose photography and then immediately realized I don't know any famous photographers sorry I tried to cross my legs and they just slipped off each other (laughs) my sweat on your wall is gonna take away your security deposit (laughs) I'm gonna paint over it it's fine okay um so that was my thought and then my another thought that I uh had was one that I pulled from the internet, if you're ready. Okay. <laughs> okay. So it starts with a quote from the yep. book, and it goes, I didn't want to be haunted years down the line by what ifs, and the only way to avoid that was to chase down an answer, whether I liked that answer or not. And the question that the this reviewer writes after is she goes, if you knew that there was a chance that discovering such an answer may disappoint you or end in failure, is it still worth it to try... <laughs> To avoid the what ifs, as Lyndon says, that was a really awkward. <laughs> I don't understand. The question is basically: if you knew there was something, if there's a big what if in your life, if you could, what's that? You know, what the caper is? Like, if you could, you have you ever had a dream that you could, you would, you, you could have, would have, should have, could have done anything. <laughs> I think what it's trying to say is like if there's a big what if question in your life and it seems scary, do you still try to answer it even if you know that it might end in failure? Go. What? <laughs> what? I need an example. Okay. So let's say you're like, I want to be, I want to be an astronaut, um, but like to go to space, you have to do a lots of school. Well, I would never go to space. <laughs> but this is an example. Yeah. Like, I have to do lots of school. That's, like, a big obstacle. That's a lot of things that you have to do. Okay. Uh, would you still try to pursue that career and answer that what-if question, yes. uh, even if it means there's a lot of work to be done, um, because it's better to have that question answered? Okay, I think I get it now. Okay, I, I feel like that's a relevant question to, like, the careers that we kind of pursue mm-hmm. and, like, the industry and the creative industry because it's like when you grow up having kind of a dream to (laughs) you have have a dream that if you could anyway um (laughs) you grow up having a dream of being like a writer or an actor or something like that i think there's a real (laughs) fitting herself (laughs) this is the worst yet I'm swimming down my butt crack. Okay. Oh my god. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, the back of my legs are like, I've been sitting in a pool. Maddie did, Maddie did yoga this morning and I was like, did you do hot yoga? And she was like, no, it was reg yoga. But now I feel like we're doing hot yoga. Yeah, the yoga I did was yin yoga, which is like stretching. It's so chill. It's so nice. In hell. Anyway. If you, okay. if you when you had grow up having a dream 
<laughs> something like that. I think there's a real kind of shame in giving up on that dream, even yes. if you are already feeling that that dream is maybe not fulfilling you. Like we both worked in the entertainment industry as assistants for a very long mm-hmm. time. And especially now, you have to be an assistant for such a fucking long time. Maybe forever. Maybe like, forever. The path is, like, narrowed significantly for upward yeah. trajectory there. And work for pennies to, quote, unquote, pay your dues. And then even yeah. when you do eventually uh, get staffed as a writer, um, you're not going to make any money because streaming... Right now, we're in a time capsule, um, or what's, what's it called? Time machine of... <laughs> The WGA strike is going on right now. Yes, this episode is probably going to air in like October, yeah. and this is not going to be yeah. relevant. But and so much like Des Linden running her fun runs, like to actually sustain yourself as a writer and actor, you're probably going to have to do other jobs for the rest of your life now because you're not going to be like staffed on a network show that you're getting residuals for, mm-hmm. and like you know. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I've struggled with that a lot personally, being like. Am I giving up if I just, like, become a, whatever, a teacher or something, which is definitely a very hard job yeah. and not giving up, but... No, so, to, to jump on that, so I mm-hmm. recently had a conversation with one of my brother's friends. Um, oh, I'm excited to hear about <laughs> Which, uh, just because I'm going through a breakup, uh, but I was talking to him, he's a gay man living in Los Angeles, and he's gone through, like, a similar situation, and he was giving me advice on it, but one of the things he said, he was also an actor at one point... Um, and he said, he was talking about this. He was like, yeah, because I was explaining exactly what we're talking about, which is the industry is very hard. Um, sometimes there are questions about about leaving it or like if it is giving up, if you sort of leave, if you've decided that you don't enjoy it anymore, like does that count as giving up or does that just count as like changing your mind? Um, and he was sort of like, he was like, yeah, I came to LA to be an actor and uh, I had this like realization maybe a couple of years into it that like, I just didn't love it anymore. Yeah. And like, I had to work through a lot of emotions and therapy to talk about mm-hmm. the fact that that doesn't count as me giving up. That just counts yeah. as me changing as a person and changing what my priorities are and like trying something out and not enjoying it. And that's okay. Yeah. It's um, such a weird specific, like, I mean, I think it's hard in any kind of like path that you pursue and put a lot of time into to give up on that. But I think there's something like, weird this weird pressure you put on yourself if you're in like a creative field that like yeah. giving up on this career is giving up on a dream yeah and and I don't think that's true I think if you leave because you're unhappy and you find something else that makes you happy because a job should not be your whole life yes and I think in creative industries great. that that gets blurred a lot mm-hmm. because like creative people tend to feel like that is so much part of their identity I actually had a friend recently that described it because he's also going through a similar thing where he works for like a big network and he's struggling with his decision whether or not to stay in the industry um, <laughs> and he had this big revelation the other day where he's like yeah like I'm thinking about leaving, um, but I was talking to my therapist about it, and my therapist basically said that I'm having an ego death. uh, Because he was like, I have identified with this career and this Mm -hmm. way of living for so long that it's extra hard for me to abandon it because it feels like I'm getting rid of a part of myself because I'm so emotionally connected to this, Mm -hmm. you know, this content and this, like, way of life. Um, Man, therapists yeah. in LA must really <laughs> just be so sick of it. My therapist <laughs> would do the same thing where I'd be like, when I was an assistant and having a terrible time, I'd be like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And she's like, well, what else would you do? And I'd be like, well, 
I was a Spanish major, maybe I teach high school Spanish or whatever. And she'd be like, your eyes lit up when yeah. you talked about that. Like, <laughs> and then the next week we come back and you're like, I got another job in the entertainment industry. And like, no. she's like, oh, why are you doing this? <laughs> so in that way, we can relate to ultra marathoners. <laughs> we put ourselves through hell. Yeah. Because we think we love it. It It is very similar in a way. <laughs> but like, why the hell did you keep doing this if you hate it? And meanwhile, we're in the dead of jobs. Maybe, maybe that answers my earlier question, which is, yeah. do you think this book can be enjoyable to non-rothers or non-athletes? It can, yes. if you think about it in that way. Or if you like the narrative of a sport. What? <laughs> I'll show myself out. Okay. Okay. I, I did all my questions. Should I do my game? You should do your game. Okay. First one. DNF. When I learned that when she was in London for the Olympics, she withdrew from the marathon, but then was told if she withdraws, she immediately needs to leave, will be replaced by a sub, and won't be able to say she an Olympian. So she selfishly decided to run approximately two miles and quit the race. Shame on her. That's the first one. <laughs> Okay. Second one. I wouldn't run 0.1 miles in the rain, lol. People who do this are crazy. I do not understand. Written like a robot. DNF. <laughs> okay. Third one. I might try reading this via Kindle or physical book, but listening to Des read this on Audible was awful. <laughs> I finished chapter two and it, capital I, uh, was a horrible torture. So don't get the Audible. <laughs> Uh, okay. Which um, one did I make up? Uh, I think you did the second one. You're so good. Did at I this. do it? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Also, for for those of you who don't know, DNF is did not finish. I was gonna jump in and and, and explain that. Yeah. Um, I don't. I can't tell you why I thought that one was you. I just had a feeling. I think you just know me too I just well. Know you just, I know. You have to. You gotta switch it up. Oh my god. You gotta surprise me. Final thoughts. Um, Was that the only one? <laughs> yeah. Don't read the audiobook. Um, much love to you, Des. Good job for trying, but hire someone else. People need jobs who read audiobooks. Like My us. friend who was at your birthday party. Which one? The one in the pool. <laughs> there were so many. He's a voice actor. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Yes, he's a friend of a friend. He seems nice. He's really nice. Hire him. Hire him. I think his name is Victor. Okay. I'll give, I'll give you his info. Right. Um, final thoughts. Um, I need to find a sport. That's my thought. You have a sport. You did kickball. No, oh, that was like a drinking sport. Adults don't need to have a sport. <laughs> Adults <laughs> I think are our, fine. I think our doctors would say otherwise. Adults can walk. <laughs> we have dogs. I have pickleball paddles. We'll do that. We do have to do pickleball. We do have to do pickleball. Um, well, my final thought is a question. Okay. Um, what is a dream <laughs> that you haven't given? <laughs> now, let me finish. What is a dream? Is a Have you ever had a dream that was so I dreamed a dream. <laughs> what is a dream that you haven't given up on despite obstacles? Uh, I mean, I guess writing. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> You're so LA. Ew. Okay. That's it. What about you? You never answer your own question. <laughs> That's because I like to inflict pain on other people. Yeah. I'm not going to answer. 
No, I don't have, have I don't have dreams. You do have dreams. You were always <laughs> dreaming and doing. Uh, my dream is twofold. I want to own a condo that I can decorate, and then also oh, yeah. I want to be a travel writer. Those are my two things. Well, you can do those. I could. I'm going to Europe. I can do are it. Are you going to write while you're in Europe? Are yeah, you, gonna... you bet I am. You bet I am. We haven't even discussed this. We'll talk about it after the pod. Oh, um, we yeah. actually have a second podcast called After the Pod. <laughs> <laughs> Just, We're like the Walking Dead. We, yeah, <laughs> Chris Hardwick goes. <laughs> the Talking Except Dead. He won't because he's. What would our Talking he's not dead, dead anymore? Talking Dead. The um, best, beneath the best, cellar. Best tellers. Oh, because you're telling. Oh, so <laughs> okay. Okay. Great. Now it's time to pick the next. Book. Yeah, I'm gonna pull it up. Twelve. Is. No, it's not. It's called. Oh, I actually. I scared Tyler. I have that downloaded on my Libby right now. Oh, yay! So tomorrow you know, and tomorrow and tomorrow. Okay, by uh, Gabrielle Zevin. What is it? It's a fiction book about video game designers. It's, it's kind of like a romance. Two friends find their partnership challenged in the world of video game design. So exactly what I said. <laughs> Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. I have a sip left. See you in the cellar. <laughs> Clink it. <laughs> There's nothing left in here. I can feel it. I can feel it. Goodbye. I'm going to wait for your giggling. <laughs>